0: Maybe I should give you a little bit more background, too, so I can tell this story properly. But um, when I was running this message board, it was like an intranet. It wasn't accessible from, you know, the public. But when I finished, you know, my studies, I moved out of the dorm, and I felt like I needed to move this little community that we had to the public, so we could stay in touch with the other students. And so I had to register a domain name, obviously.
1: Satisfy the protection of your continuous integration and deployment workflows with cloud-native application security, part of Trend Micro Cloud One. Get automated defense early in your pipeline and across cloud environments for visibility and protection. Discover more at trendmicro.com/slash/stackoverflow. Hey everybody, welcome back. We are recording. Good morning, morning. Paul. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, Ben. Welcome back to Stack Overflow podcast. Sarah was visiting her folks as many of us have been during this long pandemic and found a very special disc. Yeah. There's a very special floppy disc. It was not floppy, it that floppy disc? It was a
2: three and a half inch, inch floppy.
1: floppy. Yeah. Yeah, three and a half inch, one point four meg floppy with a sticky note that just says hot boys on it. So we're gonna have to dig in and see what's yeah,
2: on it. Yeah, I don't know. At some point. I don't know how to read it. Oh I really to
3: know what's on it. You know, I actually, because a lot of my floppies are in the Amiga format, I recently eBayed a Cryoflux floppy reader that can read anything. Whoa. So I'm going to volunteer oh it. God. I haven't plugged it in. It's all USB. Like, I got to get, like, a Windows environment or, or get my Ubuntu machine up and running. But it can, it can read anything. read any floppy. So if what about you, my
1: jazz disc? Can you read my no, jazz disc? no. No,
3: but it, I'm just offering it to you, Sarah, if you forensically want to understand what's on that floppy disk I drive.
2: do. Okay, I'm going to mail it to okay, you. Okay,
3: I'll give you my address. Great. All right, very cool.
1: But we have a special guest today all the way from Europe visiting us. Dries, do you want to introduce yourself, say hello, and let the people know what you're here to talk about?
0: Sure. Yeah. Hello. Good morning or good day. So, yeah, my name is Dries. I guess I'm best known for being the founder and the project lead of Drupal, which is an open source content management system. I also started a company called Acquia like 12 years ago, and I'm uh, the CTO for Acquia. So that's a very short version. That is very short,
1: very concise, very humble. Uh, yeah. Where did it come from? And then where is it going? Where, where, what's the, well, it came from the Dries. scope of it? <laughs>
0: This will sound funny, but um, I was a student, I was living in my dorm, and um, we had a little local area network going, and we needed kind of a message board to leave some messages between the different students in the different dorm rooms. And at the time, PHP and MySQL were kind of new and cool, <laughs> and so I figured I would you know, spend a few evenings working on a quick message board for us, and as a way to... You know, learn PHP and MySQL. And so that's how I got started. And that message board kind of evolved into my experimental platform where I started adding capabilities like RSS feeds before that was a standard, or I started adding features like public diaries. That was before that was called blogging. And uh, eventually, that message board evolved into more of a content management system or more of a platform. And then there's a longer story there, but eventually that became Drupal. What is the name? Well, so the name is kind of funny. So I wanted to register dot D O R P which is Dutch, which is my native language for a small village, a small community. And so I thought that that's perfect, but I actually made a typo <laughs> and I swapped <laughs> the O and the R and I ended up registering drop.org. And I'm like, wow that's an English word. It's four letters. The domain name is still available. Like I'm rich kind of thing. <laughs> and so I ended up with that domain name because I couldn't believe it was still available. And so I moved that intranet to drop.org and uh, I started you know, blogging and writing about all of these things like RSS feeds and public diaries and more and more people got involved with my little site. Typically people interested in the future of the web because I was kind of as I said, experimenting with a lot of these things at the time. As my site got bigger and bigger, more and more people got involved and they started asking or making suggestions, I should say, like, hey, maybe you can implement this or maybe you can do that. And at some point I said, you know what, instead of me, you know, implementing all of these suggestions, how about I make my site open source and then it can be your experimental platform as well. And so I literally spent like 30 seconds thinking of a name (laughs) and I copied the GPL license file from my Linux kernel because I was running Linux into my site, created a tarball and uploaded it to drop.org expecting maybe 10 people to ever download and use Drupal. And so when I had to pick a name, I was like, all right, so drop, the English (laughs) word drop in Dutch is Drupal. And Drupal is how an English-speaking person would probably pronounce <laughs> the Dutch word for droplets. Got it. And it's actually a pretty bad name because <laughs> a lot of people don't know how to pronounce it. But hey, here we are, you know, no. 20 years later.
1: It's a. I feel like it has a, a certain ring to it. And we were talking about this before. Every great piece of software that's going to succeed needs a great mascot. Mm. And the name and the mascots, they speak to me, the Droplet and the Drupal. I don't know. Yeah. I get it. That's I great. get it.
0: Yeah. But in the beginning, people said Drupal. And there was a little bit of like, if you knew how to pronounce Drupal, you were kind of like part of the inner circle.
1: <laughs> right, right. Yeah. The Dutch PayPal competitor. Yeah. Got to be careful with that. Sarah, what were your sort of like early Web 1.0 memories? Like, what were you using early on? Were you live journaling when that Hot Boys disc was mm-hmm.
2: made? Good question. I was. I was just talking about this with someone recently. My journey was Bulletin boards, then AOL, then MySpace. I kind of missed.
3: Oh, I- you were I- dialing into bulletin boards.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
3: That's a deep cut. I never got there.
0: But our parents didn't know. They didn't understand. At least my parents, yeah. they didn't know like IRC and those things. It was just like a mystery what I was doing on, com- on my yeah. computer. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Just talking to my friends, mom, just hanging out, oh, yeah. just chatting with some buddies. So this is pretty interesting. This core community that you met in college, were you a computer science major or just somebody who was interested in this stuff, but focused in studies on something completely different?
0: No, I did a a master of science in computers in computers, Mm -hmm. yeah, computer science in Belgium. And then uh, after that, I actually went to work at a startup, which where I fell in love with startups, I guess. And then I went back to college and I did a PhD in computer science. And that nothing to do with Drupal it was all about runtime compilers, garbage collection, those kinds of things. But all the while, while working at the startup and then while doing my PhD, I kept working on Drupal on the site. It's what I would do at night on the weekends it was my passion. And then when I finished my PhD, I decided to turn that you know, hobby, if you will, into my full time job. And so that was sort of seven years after I started working on Drupal. Around what year would that be? Where where are we in time? Yeah, I started working on Drupal in 2000. Mm-hmm. And I think I was like 20 or 21 or something. So yeah, we're coming up on the 20th birthday of wow, Drupal.
2: Wow, so cool. Uh,
0: How much code remains from early days? <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot, I don't think, no. I mean, if you think about it, like 20 years ago, I think... Google, I think either was still a private company or just went public. I feel like there was maybe 35 million websites Mm -hmm. in the world. AT&T had not yet launched text messaging. And we're talking about the original Mm -hmm. text messaging, you know. Web 2.0 wasn't a thing people talked about. Responsive web design didn't exist. I mean, we were using HTML 3, I think it was, and maybe CSS 1. Tables. I mean, just a lot of. So tables. many things have come and gone. <laughs> like, if it were, if there was still a lot of, yeah, a lot of tables, exactly.
3: So, trees. all right. I mean, I've got you in your dorm room. You know, I've got Sarah on a BBS. Like, there's a lot going on in, in as people are, are learning stuff. And, you know, it, it feels like there's this pivotal moment where you flip the switch, it's open source, and suddenly people are engaged. They really want this code. They want to do things with it. And now, today, I look at Drupal, and I see this very large content and community platform that's API-driven, that does an enormous amount of stuff, that has users that include vast government organizations and very large companies. So. You know what were the sort of big steps along the way? Like, how do you get from Drees in his dorm room? Like, what were those phases and, and versions that really sort of got you here? Yeah. Well, today, one out of thirty
0: websites run on Drupal. Whoa! We have a lot of websites. That's yeah. what a cool yeah.
2: statistic. That must feel great.
0: Yeah, it does. It, I'm, I'm very proud of that. Obviously, it's a work of many, many people. We have thousands. Actually, we have every year ten thousand people contribute code to Drupal. Wow. And wow. over a thousand different organizations. And obviously there's many other ways to contribute to Drupal too, right? It's not just code, it's support and events and marketing and you know, all these things. So it's one of the largest open source projects. But yeah, I guess to answer your question, it started with just my website, <laughs> one, one site and just me. But yes, mentioned I open sourced it and one by one people got involved. And there's a few big tipping points, I would say, that kind of launched Drupal. And the first one was sort of around 2003. And so this was at the time of the presidential elections in the U.S. And Howard Dean uh, was one of the candidates. He was sort of an underdog. (laughs) Oh, boy. He became famous, so to speak, or one of the reasons why he became famous is because he was using the Internet to campaign. And he was the first presidential candidate to use the Internet as a campaign platform. And that campaign platform was built on Drupal. And so, you know, that obviously got a lot of press. I mean, not Drupal, but it was like Dean Space. That was the name of the platform. And then in the Wall Street Journal, in the New York Times, it was like Dean, Howard Dean and Dean Space. And oh, by the way, it runs on Drupal, like sort of in a sub-sentence somewhere in the article. But it gave a lot of credibility to Drupal. And it actually led to sort of a first investment in Drupal, there was an investor that said, wow, the next elections, every presidential candidate is going to use the internet to campaign. And we need to take Dean's space and sort of polish it up, extend it, make it better, so that we're ready for the next presidential election. And actually, in fact, the next elections, every presidential candidate did use the internet to campaign. And I think more than half of them actually ended up using Drupal. But Anyway, that was a big tipping point for us because it gave us some visibility in the media and it attracted some, some money and uh, more people got involved, which is kind of cool.
2: Now, what's the typical use case for someone who's getting started with Drupal? Is it uh, usually a company? Is it an individual? Do you see a lot of personal sites being run on it?
0: Yeah, today, so it's what in the beginning, I should say, Sarah, was a lot of hobbyist websites. But today, it tends to be the more ambitious websites, is what we call it. Uh, you know, more complex <laughs> websites. Bespoke, maybe? Yeah, bespoke too often, yeah. Often, you know, people can assemble a website with Drupal using all of the modules or plugins that we have. But very often, there is an element of customization that requires custom development. So, Websites tend to be a little bit larger, more complex. And we run up to some of the largest websites in the world. Mm. You know, weather.com, I think, is in a top 20 website doing billions of page views a day. That's based on Drupal. We did the website for the Olympics, which, according to them, (laughs) was the largest digital event in the history of the web. So again, uh, billions of page views a day. So Drupal tends to specialize in sort of these more complex or more ambitious use cases. Uh, you know, if you're an individual trying to launch a blog, Drupal tends to be, you know, too complex. I would say, you know, I wouldn't recommend mm-hmm. it unless you like working with Drupal. All
1: right. So, Dries, every uh, week we end the podcast by reading out the winner of a lifeboat badge. Okay. So, a lifeboat badge goes to somebody. There was a question asked on Stack Overflow. In this case, two years and five months ago. It languished with no answer, and then somebody decided to answer it and got uh, 20 upvotes. So awarded two days ago to Joe Clay, answered this question. Can you use React Native to create a desktop app? Nobody asked, and why? But I'll, I'll let you try to answer, and we'll just note that Joe Clay gets the Lifeboat badge for answering that. I would
0: imagine you can, but <laughs> I'm not an expert on React or React Native. To be candid, but maybe, I don't know. I think you can, but...
1: Every language has to work for everything, right?
0: <laughs> like, right, what, what can you not do with React?
1: <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm
2: interested. I'm interested in the answer. What was the answer?
1: There isn't any official support for desktop applications in React Native. There are, however, various experimental forks. So React Native Windows, React Native Mac OS, React Native Desktop.
2: They are not developed
1: mm-hmm. by the main RN team. Your mileage may vary. Mm. Thanks, Joe Clay. Well, I
0: learned something new. That's great.
1: Yeah. yeah can you use react native to develop a app for interactive set top boxes? No, that's Oak. Okay. I remember that. Now. <laughs> Don't I sound like I know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, Dries, thank you so much for coming on and especially for coming on all the way from across the ocean. I know this wasn't part of the podcast, but if you want to say anything about where you are and why you're there, we're happy to hear it. Otherwise we can just keep it professional and you can say where people can find you on the internet if you want to be found.
0: Yeah, I'm here to see family, basically. (laughs) Mm. But yeah, Yeah. I'm from Belgium, and so my family's here, and I had a reason to come here for family, which is why. You know, I quit Facebook and all of these things, Uh, but you can find me on my own website, which is uh, Dries, D-R-I dot E-S. Awesome. All
1: right, I'm Ben Popper, director of content here at Stack Overflow. You can find me on Twitter at benpopper.com.
2: And I'm Sarah Chips, Director of Community here at Stack Overflow, and I haven't quit Facebook yet, but maybe I should.
3: Yeah, yeah, I go back and forth. I am looking at dri.es, and that is a website. That makes me feel really good about the world when I look at this site. Like, it's just, just very pure, very true to what this medium is about. My name is Paul Ford. I'm the co-founder of a, a software development firm called Postlight. You can find us online at postlight.com.